queue tonight. It's my turn to get up here because we have a little bit extra to cover tonight. Take our Bibles out if we could, Luke 14, and uh, we're going to be a little while before we get there. Luke chapter number 14, two things I want to go over with you at the beginning of the service, and then some things I want you to pray about during the invitation time. And so Luke chapter number 14 is where we're going to preach out of. It'll be a little bit before we get there. Uh, and after you get turned there, I want you to maybe take out your uh, prayer bulletin. There's a place to make some notes on the back. If you have a good memory, you may not have to do that, okay? Uh, so maybe everybody who's under the age of 40, you just put it in your memory. Everybody who's over the age of 40, take out your bulletin. You might need to write it there on the back on the notes place. Uh, what I want to do is prepare everyone as we look forward to our City Sunday coming up. I'm very excited about that, looking forward to it. And I hope, as Brother Michael mentioned, you've not just passed out one. I hope you've passed out many of our invitations. I know we've been out this week together at our week of service and had all, uh, multiple opportunities to pass a lot of different uh, Heart for the Hub tracks and invitations out. But uh, our, our City Sunday is specifically focusing in on five people that God would lay upon our heart. And I hope you've prayed about that. I hope you've asked God to give you a burden for five people. Uh, I promise you there are more than five people that God would give you a burden for. And so if we asked for five, I am sure God would give us five people that he's laid upon our heart. I've been quite amused at some of the people God has laid upon my heart. Uh, they aren't necessarily people that I've been witnessing to over years, but they're people that I've gotten acquainted with in our community, out and about, some of our retail locations, people that we've struck up conversations with, and the Lord said, I, I want you to go invite them. Uh, and it's amazing. A couple of people that I've already invited have told me, you know what, I've been looking for a church. Uh, I've been praying about a church. It's kind of like God has already been working on them, and then God directed our hearts toward them, you know? When you read about the Ethiopian eunuch, you realize that God was working on his heart, and then God directed Philip's heart to go intercept him. That's why it's important we be obedient to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah, it's wonderful to give out tracts to everybody, but there are times that God lays specific people upon our heart, and the reason he does that is because he's already dealing with their heart, and he's already plowed that soil up, and he wants you to go plant a seed in the soil that he's been tilling. That's why it's important we pray about, hey, God, who would you have me to go to? And then when God gives you a burden through obedience, you go to them. Just today, Leslie and I were out, and uh, we were having coffee together. Uh, a lot of times, we'll just put our heads together, talk about our plans for the week, what we need to get done before the week is over, and uh, while we were sitting there talking with someone at the coffee shop we were at, uh, struck up a conversation with them about our church and what we're doing this week. I said, hey, I want to go and get you one of our little bags that we put together uh, just to let you know, hey, we appreciate what you're doing, uh, appreciate what you, uh, uh, you do here in your family, serving the Lord uh, in a retail business. They're saved people. And she said, you know, we don't live here. We live out of town, uh, but uh, we're going to be looking to move here soon. And I says, hey, we'd love to have you come, go to church with us sometime and invite them there. You just never know the opportunities that God's going to place within your path. That's why it's important we discern the leadership of the Holy Spirit as we go throughout our day. So I hope uh, you've been doing just that with your invitations. Uh, for all of the invitations that we have left over, uh, we're going to ship them off to HubFest on Saturday. I'm going to invite a lot of people, but I hope you specifically prayed about your Jerusalem, people that God has called you to go to. If you remember Sunday morning, we talked about the demoniac of Gadara. What did Jesus say? He said, go home. Go home. Go reach the people in your home territory. Meaning, go reach the people within your sphere of influence, and that was where God would have him to be a witness. So I hope you've got involved this week. I hope you've enjoyed the week of service thus far. Uh, I told Brother Michael this afternoon, my heart has been overjoyed. 
hearing the testimonies of people who've gone out uh, and the good responses. I've yet to hear, now you can let me know after the service if there is some, but I've yet to hear any negative comments where anybody threw anything back at your face, cussed you out, or spit upon you, okay? Uh, Number one, a lot of us are carrying cookies, amen? It's hard to spit on somebody that brings you a cookie. Uh, I know some folks today, I believe my dad's Sunday school class, they went out, they were delivering chicken, okay? Uh, I mean, it's hard to get cussed out when you're giving people chicken. I think, what, 49 plates they gave out today to the firemen all over Hattiesburg, gave out smoked chicken. Uh, We've got other folks delivering goodie baskets for the Michael and his team, his class were out at the college two days this week, uh, out giving out gospel tracts with little goodie bags with things for college students that were there. But Michael did tell me, he says, there was another group ahead of them, uh, and they were a religious group. I, I don't necessarily know what church they were from, but they were in that free speech area at USM, right, Brother Michael, out there. And they were a little more heavy-handed uh, with, uh, with the message, you know, uh, maybe a little more heavy-handed than they should, not going to judge them, but uh, Brother Michael says they were very well received when they showed up with gospel tracts and snacks to go with it, amen? You say, well, I just don't know about that delivery. Well, Jesus shared a message after he gave bread and fish, okay? Uh, I think that uh, Snicker bars are probably a little easier to carry than bread and fish, Amen. Uh, you go try to go out to USM and you pass out sardines with tracks on it, probably not going to get a whole lot of takers, but a snicker bar might help, amen? Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of gospel tracks have gone out this week. Uh, this week I was up at the hospital, the ICU, uh, visiting Miss Melissa's mom and uh, Brother Michael's uncle there, both of them in the ICU at Forest General, pray for them. And uh, while I was there, Leslie took a big old bag of our, our goodie bags that we had put together with the hand sanitizers and chapstick and Kleenexes. Had our gospel track down in there. And Leslie's walking around the hospital just passing them out to the nurses. And you'd be amazed at how many people just giving them something, letting them know that you cared about them, brought a smile to their face. Uh, in our society today, kindness, uh, kindness is, is rare. It's hard to find anyone who has that heart of compassion and are being kind and what a blessing it is to be able to do that. So I want to encourage you, find a way to get involved in this week of service. Uh, There are several more classes that are still going out. Uh, Before the week is over, uh, maybe we'll have a list of everybody and things that they were able to do. And we'll kind of keep track of that for next year and uh, looking forward to that. Okay. Also, we had the blood drive today. Thank you for all those who gave blood. I was kind of thinking about it. I don't know much of an area where you could be more like Jesus than giving blood. Amen? Uh, Giving blood so others could live. And uh, if you showed up today and gave blood, thank you for doing that. It's not just a blessing to those that will receive it, but it's a blessing to the company that came out. They're a local company here in Hattiesburg to see that our people were willing to be a part of that. So I just want to thank you for all the participation this week. It's been a blessing to see all the little blue shirts running around town. I've seen them out and about, and it's a blessing to me as pastor uh, for folks that are getting involved. And then look at my list right quick. All right, uh, let's get to City Sunday right quick. It's a Wednesday night, a little bit more uh, casual in our service. Before we get to the message, I only have two points tonight, okay? And so uh, it'll be a little quicker maybe. But I do want to give you a few things to be mindful of as we prepare for City Sunday and the guests that you've invited. Now, obviously, if you've uh, passed out a 1,000 of these, there's no way you can keep track of a 1,000 people. Uh, But if you've invited five people or one person or two people, uh, there's some things I want you to remember about uh, this upcoming Sunday. Number one, I want you to pray, okay? I want you to pray for those people specifically by name. Uh, I promise you, just as the devil tries to keep you from church, a lot of the people that you have invited, the devil's going to try to keep from getting here. 
Uh, and he's going to use every uh, excuse under the sun for them not to come. So I want you to begin praying for them every day that God would, would, would clear the way and allow them to be here, okay? So pray for them. Uh, number two, I want you to coordinate with them before Sunday morning uh, about their arrival. If you know they're coming, uh, go ahead and let them know where you're going to be waiting for them, okay? Coming to a church, maybe to a new church, or coming back to church after being out for a long time is intimidating, okay? Uh, maybe if you've been there, you realize it's hard getting back in. It doesn't matter how, how good of a Christian you were. When you get out, it's hard to get back in. So go ahead and talk with them. Coordinate with them. Let them know, hey, I'm going to be at the front door waiting on you. Because uh, I promise you, if they walk in the door and maybe just by chance they see somebody who's not having the best day and their countenance does not have that on there, it might scare them off. All right? So you be there to catch them and let them know, hey, I'll be right there waiting for them. Maybe at the missions wing, park, uh, wherever they're going to park, come in the door with the globe. That's sometimes where we tell people to meet us. So be sure that you coordinate that with them. And then when they get here, welcome them. All right? Let them know how much you're glad they're here. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but anytime I invite somebody and they come, my heart is overjoyed to see them. And so you be sure you welcome them. And here's something I want to encourage you to do. We, we talked about this in our staff meeting this week. Uh, take your guest and introduce them to someone else, okay? Take your guest. Say your, your guest is John Doe. Uh, take John Doe to meet Brother AJ. Say, this is Brother AJ. I want to introduce you to him. Brother AJ, this is John Doe, my guest. It makes people feel important when you introduce them to other people, okay? That also gives them another contact that they've made in the church to realize at least there's two friendly people in the church, okay? So be sure you introduce them people to others. Don't be ashamed of your guests, okay? Don't hide them in the bathroom until the singing starts and bring them out. No, bring them in, get them acclimated, let them realize, hey, this is a comfortable place that you want to be a part of even beyond today, okay? So introduce them to others. Uh, I would encourage you, if you get the opportunity, I'd love to meet your guests, bring them to me. Uh, that way when I write them a letter for coming, that they, uh, I have a face to put with that name. Uh, looking down right quick, sit with your guest, okay? I want to encourage you to sit with your guest. Uh, don't make them sit by themselves. Church is a scary place if you haven't been here in a while. Sit with your guests. Don't say, hey, good to see you. Y'all sit over there. We'll sit over here. All right? The odds are they will not come back. Make them feel welcome by sitting with them, okay? Uh, make them feel at home. So sit with them. I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, I can't do that, but I'll make sure my family sits with my guests for those that are able uh, to come. Uh, and then after, we're obviously having lunch. Now, I do know there is a good chance or a, a slim chance, I don't know how you want to call it, depending on how much faith you have, that we may have some rain on Sunday. Number one, we're going to pray the rain goes away, Okay. Uh, my Savior can stop a storm, and we're going to pray that he moves the storms on out that may be moving into our area. I think right now it is scattered showers, a 60% chance. Uh, that means we have a 100% chance that God's going to work, okay? So let's pray that God will do that, but we're going to have lunch regardless. Uh, we're going to figure out between tomorrow and Sunday what our contingency plan is going to be if it rains. By God's grace, and if he doesn't return, we're having lunch. The food trucks are going to be here, uh, and we're going to have a great time of fellowship with our visitors on Sunday morning. So regardless of the weather, we will have a time together, and I want to invite you to invite them. Hey, stay for lunch with us. I'm not saying you have to buy their lunch, uh, but, uh, I mean, you're more than welcome to. I mean, that would definitely be a good impression. Uh, but at least invite them to stay and give them another opportunity to be acclimated. And then finally, don't abandon. Don't abandon your visitors, okay? Uh, meaning after they get here, stay with them. Lord willing, if you've been up and down the hallway, we started on the office wing this week. All of the wall signage and the classroom signage has been going up. There will be directional signage, permanent directional signage. We've been waiting 
uh, putting it together for about a year now, and uh, we've been waiting to get it all up till it all came in. And so there's going to be signs directing people around the property, uh, but uh, don't leave them, okay? We do have signage where they can find their way out, uh, but if you leave them and they do find their way out, they'll probably never find their way back in. Uh, okay, so don't abandon your guest, and then like I said, be sure you pray, pray, pray for them uh, this upcoming week, okay? So I think that's everything I wanted to cover on our week of service. Uh, keep up the good work with that, and uh, I want you to take pictures, okay? Now, I don't want you to take pictures so we can brag about what our right hand did to our left hand, okay? Uh, I know every pastor has a different approach with that. Uh, I don't mind uh, posting pictures uh, about reaching in our community, but I don't want to go out there and say, hey, look, we fed a homeless person a sandwich. I don't want to be about that. Uh, but I do want to have pictures so at the end of the year, we're having a watch night service this year, I'd like to be able to look back and see all that God did through our service this year. Okay, I think that is just about it on everything I have to say. Don't forget, park in the north lot if possible. Let's get into Luke chapter 14, if we could. Luke chapter number 14, and uh, tonight I want you to look down. Let's see, Luke chapter 14. I want you to look down to verse number, um, let's just start with uh, verse 20. Let's start with verse 20. We're reading the excuses that are giving why they are not attending the great supper. Okay, we're going to pick up at verse 20 where the Bible, so let's pick up verse 19. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, I go to prove them, I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, now watch this, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. We reference verse 22 on Sunday night. Verse 23 is going to be our key text tonight. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now, focus on verse 23 tonight. There's two things I want to show you after we pray. There's a key part of this that I want you to see, and I pray God will use it to motivate us tonight. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges, and notice this next word, compel them to come in. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us tonight and speak to us through his word. Father, thank you, Lord, tonight for this great week. Lord, thank you for working, and I pray you continue to work. And Lord, I pray tonight you'd help us with that particular word we read in verse 23 of understanding this idea of being compelling tonight. I pray that we would go out, Lord, the remainder of this week, and we would be compelling, compel others to come in, Lord, to receive of what you've prepared for them. And I pray you'd burden our heart with this truth, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just jump right into it, if we could, for the sake of time. I was thinking this afternoon, one of the, the greatest disservices we do for ourselves as Christians, by the way, we do ourselves a lot of disservices. One of the greatest disservices we do for ourselves as Christians is when we interpret God's word based on what we think rather than what God meant, all right? I'm going to say that again slowly, and I want to seek in, okay? One of the greatest disservices we do for ourselves as Christians is when we read the word of God and we interpret it based on what we think rather than what God meant, okay? Now, I want you to let that thought stick with you throughout the entire message. And why is that a disservice? 
Well, it's a disservice because if you're anything like me and if you're human, you are in this respect. When we interpret things, we interpret them to our benefit. We agree with that? That when I read something or I interpret something, most of the time, if I allow my thought process to play out as a carnal man, I'm going to interpret things as they benefit me best. Prime example, do you know what the number one broken law in America is? Don't raise your hand, don't volunteer. I'll let you think about it and I'll tell you what it is. The number one broken law in America is the speed limit. It's the speed limit. Now, some of you are already smiling because you know where we're going with this. You think about the speed limit, we all see the sign. It's posted, is it? Isn't it? It's posted 55, 65, 70, whatever it is. We see that. There's some laughter going on down here, guys. Uh, I'm assuming somebody got a ticket recently. Uh, it probably won't be your last, but we see the sign, and it's got a posted number, and we says, it says 55 miles an hour. Now, what do you reckon it means? <laughs> Amen. You probably will have a ticket in your future as well, all right? It says 55, but what do we do? Well, it says 55, but there's a seven-mile grace period, right? I've heard that one. That's probably the most common one I've heard. It says 55, but they'll let you get away with two. It says 55, but they'll let you get away with three. No, can I tell you, it says 55, and they mean 55. But when we read it, now, I'll be honest, now, I don't always keep the speed limit either, all right? Now, you can write that down on another one of the faults your pastor has and use that when you get mad at me that I don't keep the speed limit either, okay? Write that one down. Uh, I don't always keep with the 55. I, I think, you know, they're going to let me get away with two, let me get away with three. And even though it says that, I think they really mean, you know, keep it around there. That's how we drive. Uh, I, don't, I know very few people, if you're one of those people, God bless you. You're a better Christian than I am. Uh, but they, very few people stick with what it says because we interpret it the way that benefits us most. Now, I think we do the same thing with the Bible. I think we look at the speed limit, and we look what it says, and we know what it says, but rather interpret it by what is meant, we interpret it by what we want it to say, and we interpret it by what is most convenient for us and what is more comfortable for us in our life. We say, I know it says that, but we interpret it in a way that allows us to get away with more, right? Think about it. We interpret the Bible as loosely as possible. Why? Because oftentimes we want to get away with more like the speed limit. Now, this is a dangerous thing because although we might interpret it as something that is fluid, God's word always has remained what he meant when he wrote it. It will always mean what he said when he wrote it. Psalms 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is what? Settled in heaven. All right, the word of God is not fluid. The word of God means what it always meant. And if we're going to stand before God and hear well done, we've got to interpret the word of God the way that he said we should interpret. Now, how do we do that? Well, if you keep reading in Psalms 119, 104, the Bible says, Through thy precepts I get understanding. Through thy precepts. So through the word, watch this, I get understanding. What does that mean? It's through the word that we understand the word. All right? The more you read it, the more the Bible interprets itself. Do you know where cults come from? Cults come from people who find one verse that seemingly says what they want to do, and they build a denomination around it. That's where cults come from. But a lot of times, I, I, uh, I read a bumper sticker several years ago in Walmart parking lot in Columbia, and it said, read Acts 2.38. I knew exactly where they were going with that. I wanted to take a Sharpie and write out beside of it, and the rest of the Bible. 
Because the Bible, the rest of the Bible will help you understand what Acts 2.38 is talking about. There's got to be continuity with the scripture. So one of the key rules about Bible interpretation, never forget when I was in Bible college, they said you need to take hermeneutics. I said, Herman who? I really did. I said, Herman is, no, hermeneutics, Bible interpretation. One of the key rules of Bible interpretation is to let the Bible interpret itself. All right, let's not just read the Bible and say, well, this says I've got to hate my father and my mother to follow Christ, all right? Keep reading. Let the Bible interpret itself. Now, tonight we're going to do just that. We're going to let the Word of God interpret the Word of God. Now, what are we talking about interpreting? Well, I want you to look down at verse 23 again. There's a word. I think we think we know what it means, but I think we need to let the Bible interpret what this verse means. Verse 23, the Lord said unto, us, unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and what? Compel. If we go around the room tonight, I'm sure many of us would have different definitions of what the word compel means. Most of them would probably be similar, but I believe that's a word we need to understand in light of the word of God. When we read that word compel, what does it mean there? Uh, am I to go out and just invite someone? Am I supposed to go out and guilt someone? Am I supposed to go out and beat up someone? What does it mean to compel someone? Here's the good news. The Word of God wants to interpret the Word of God for us if we will let the Word of God do the speaking. Now, Sunday night we preached about reaching. I believe that describes what we need to do. But tonight we're going to look at this thought of being compelling, and I believe you'll see a deeper meaning to what God's called us to do. I'll give you this, and I'll give you the two points. Uh, the, uh, the company that's been doing our signs, it's uh, kind of a ministry slash company, Brother Doug Ruck, uh, out of Lighthouse Baptist Church in uh, uh, Theodore, Alabama. His company is called Compel Graphics. Compel Graphics. And he gave us a shirt, he gave me a shirt, I got it at my house. I meant to bring it tonight to show it to you. Uh, and the back of the shirt says, Be Compelling. Be Compelling. Can I tell you tonight, this is something the church has got to learn how to do again. We've got to learn how to be compelling again. Why? Because we're called to compel them that his house may be filled. But here's the thing I wanted to leave with you tonight. I believe the reason, the reason we're not very compelling, it's because we're not very compelled. All right? I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a tongue twister tonight. I'm not trying to mess with your mind and be cute with semantics. I believe the reason we're not very compelling it's because we're not very compelled. We don't understand what it means to be compelled. We're not motivated. We're not compelled to go out and to bring them in. And so as we go straight head on towards City Sunday, I think our church needs one last message on how to be compelling. And we're going to look at Scripture and let Scripture tell us exactly what being compelled means. All right? No slides tonight. You're just going to have to listen. Take old-fashioned notes. Amen? Now, when you look up the word compel in the New Testament, you're going to find it mentioned three times. Just three. The word compel is mentioned three times. The first is, well, the first one we looked at tonight is, is Luke 14. But I want you to go to the second one tonight in Matthew 5. Go back to Matthew 5. I'm going to give you two thoughts tonight before the invitation. But I think we need to understand what it means when he tells us that we need to be compelling. He says, I want you to go out and compel them to come in. Matthew chapter 5, you look down to verse 41. We're going to see the first mention in the New Testament of the word compel. Matthew 5, 41, the Bible says, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. 
Now, the first picture we see of what it means to be compelling, obviously, we're understanding the context, the sake of time. Here are the Roman occupiers that are there amongst the Jews. And that Roman soldier, as we all know well, could come up to you at any given time and say, I want you to carry my armor, my luggage, my baggage. And they could compel you to walk one standard mile. That was the limit of their compelling. So they could just pick you out of the audience and you would come and you would carry that luggage or carry that armor one standard mile. Now, here's what I want you to think about. If someone came to you tonight and compelled you and someone came to you and ordered you and someone came to you uh, and told you, I demand that you carry my luggage one mile. Could I just ask you to be honest tonight? What would be your natural reaction? Who do you think you are? Amen? Come on. Come on. Look, my soul is saved, but I still live in a flesh body. All right? And you come to me and you tell me, carry my bag. Now, sure enough, the Holy Spirit would say, hey, keep it down, walk in the Spirit, keep it down. But sometimes we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, do we? Watch what Jesus says, when they compel you to go one mile, I want you to go with him twain. Now, Jesus is trying to help them understand something. Watch this. The Roman soldier was not looking for volunteers. Hey, would any of you folks carry my bag? Hey, would anybody mind, do you have the spare time? Could I pay you to carry my bag? No. The Bible says that they are compelling him, which is nothing less than what we should be doing. How do we be compelled? Well, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, look, when he tells you to go one mile, I want you you to go two. I don't want you to rebel against it. I want you to walk with him twain. Because being compelled, watch this, here's the first point, is nothing less than who they were called to be. He says, look, I want you to be compelled to go two miles, to go above and beyond. Here's number one tonight. Being compelled comes with our calling. Being compelled comes with our calling. Now, the natural tendency is for them to say, I don't want to be a part of that. No. Uh, Look, that makes me uncomfortable. I have no desire to do that. But here's what Jesus said. You shouldn't just be compelled to go one mile. I'm calling you to be compelled to go two That means, hey, I am enlisting you, I am charging you, I am challenging you, I am compelling you is what he's saying. Now watch this. It's unfortunate in Christianity that all too often we find ways to excuse ourselves from our calling. Well, you know, I'm not going to do that for them because they had a bad attitude. I mean, that Roman soldier, how dare he? How dare he tell me to carry his bag? Watch this. Jesus says you should be compelled to go above and beyond. Why? Because you're called to. You know what should motivate us tonight? Look, it shouldn't motivate us that the preacher's going to guilt us into it or our neighbor's going to ask us, did we invite five? That shouldn't be our motivation. Our motivation tonight should simply be the fact that we are called to be compelled. Hey, we're not just called to scratch by. We're called to go above and beyond for the need that is there. Now, you think about it this way. It's really heartbreaking today. What used to be Christian absolutes have become Christian obsoletes, all right? Things that were once absolute in the life of a Christian have become obsolete in the life of a Christian. Do you know how we've gotten here? Do you know how we've gotten here? We've gotten here one excuse at a time. 
things that used to be absolute in the Christian life where we understood this is what I'm called to. This is who I'm called to be. This is what I'm called to do. Things that were once absolutes are now obsolete. Why? Because somewhere back in our generations, just like we do today, people begin to excuse away what God's called us to. Can I tell you, we may have good excuses of why we are not compelled, but we're still called. You say, well, you still understand, I don't have the time, and uh, I don't have the temperament, and I don't have the gifts for that. It doesn't matter. We are called to be compelled. He says, you shouldn't just be compelled to get by with one mile. You should have something on the inside of you that compels you to go too. That's why oftentimes we look at the New Testament, and I believe we misunderstand what grace is. When I read my Bible, I find in the New Testament, the Christian standard under grace is a higher standard than under the law. Think about it. You're like, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, in the Old Testament, you committed adultery, you committed adultery. In the New Testament, you look upon a woman to lust upon her, you've committed adultery. Sounds like he raised the bar. In the New Testament, he says, look, don't just go one mile. That was the old law. I want you under grace to go too. You ought to be compelled to do that. I'll tell you tonight, the church has lost our compelling spirit. We're not very compelling. So here's what Jesus is saying. You should be compelled because that's what I've called you to do. You should be compelled because that's what I've called you to do. Now, here's the Jews. Understand, watch. They understood when that Roman soldier said, carry my bags, he wasn't asking them. This was not an option. Hey, could I catch you next time? It wasn't. They understood that when, when they were compelled, it was no questions asked. Fall in line and be obedient. And folks, we don't understand that. I'm afraid the church doesn't understand that anymore. That what we're called to do, we should be compelled to do. That we should go out of the highways and hedges and the streets and the lane and lanes and bring in the halt and the maimed and the blind. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. That's why we're here. Do you know why so many people, Christians included, live unfulfilled lives? How many people do you know of, I've talked about, I'm searching for the meaning of life. You know, they go sit up on top of a mountain and they sit there in Indian style and oh, I'm not sure how that helps, but evidently that helps you find the meaning of life. Look, I want to help you out, save you a trip up a mountain, okay? Don't climb mountains if you don't have to. The meaning of life is to be compelled to what we're called to. That's the meaning, that's why we're here, all right? They understood that. Now, here's what I want you to see. The feelings didn't matter. Well, I don't feel like being compelled. doesn't matter. You've been compelled. Well, you know what? I, I've got things going on. My schedule is full. Time didn't matter. Well, I just don't know that I'm going to enjoy carrying your bag. It didn't matter. It was not about feelings. It was not about time. It was not about enjoyment. But it was everything to do with their calling. This is what they were compelled to do. Now, I want to show you something that's going to help you out a little bit, okay? I don't want you to go out there begrudgingly. I am sure there were some Jews who carried the luggage, and the entire time they griped and complained. <laughs> you just wait till Jesus establishes his kingdom, and we're going to blast you off the map. And they complained and griped the whole time. Now, can I tell you why you can have joy in what you're compelled to do? Watch this. Our motivation to be compelled comes from the one who's called us to do it. You see, they weren't carrying that bag the second mile for the Roman. They were carrying it for Christ. He's the one who told them. 
the Roman soldier just said, hey, why don't you, I want you to carry my bag. And man, oh no, do you know who they were carrying it for? It wasn't the Roman soldier who called them. It was Christ who called them. And oh, what a difference it makes in our demeanor, in our spirit, when we realize that yes, we may be carrying somebody else's load, but we're doing it for Jesus. Watch this. Roman soldier comes and says, hey, carry my bag. You tell him to go jump off a cliff or something. Yeah, whatever. Jesus comes along and says, would you carry that bag? Oh, absolutely. Is that all? You just, just one bag? Is, is that all you want me to carry? You see, who you're doing it for changes everything. When you realize, hey, I can carry the load and I can carry it twice as far, I can be compelled because of the one who's doing the compelling. Do you know who's compelling us tonight? It's not just your pastor. Look, it's my job to encourage you. And I, look, I enjoy going out. There's been no, me and Miley went out. We went, Miley and I went to the UPS lady. The UPS lady, she mails my packages all the time. Those Amazon returns, oh man, I love it. You don't even have to put it back in a bag. I walked in there the other day with a skirt. I was just like, pink skirt. She goes, Amazon? I said, yeah. She says, give me the barcode. Gave her the barcode. Whoop, she scanned it. Oh, I didn't have to wrap it up. No packing tape, no label. It was great. That lady helps me out all the time. We got ready for City Sunday, week of service. She was one of the first people the Lord put on my heart. Man, me and Miley bopped in there yesterday with our, our, our cookies. I gave her the cookies, had a gospel track down in there, just thanked them for what they're doing. It was so fulfilling. It wasn't like, good grief, got to take these cookies to the UPS lady. No, no. It was enjoyable. Why? Because I was doing it for Who I was doing it for. I was doing it for the one who's called us, the one who's compelled us, and that's Jesus. Now, let me leave you this, and I'm going to give you the second point real quick. What's hard to do for the soldier is easy to do for the Savior. What's hard to do for the soldier is easy to do for the Savior. Sometimes ministry, the load of ministry is heavy. And sometimes it's burdensome, and sometimes it's uncomfortable, and sometimes it's lonely. But when you realize, I'm not carrying this for the soldier, I'm, I'm carrying this for the Savior. Why? He was the one who called us to that. What did he say? Look down to verse 41. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Those are red letters in my Bible. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Acts chapter 5. You think about the disciples that were beaten. The Bible says that after they were beaten, in verse 41, they departed from the presence of the council. Watch this. Watch this. Rejoicing. You're thinking, yeah, they had beat them up so bad they weren't even thinking straight anymore. No. They were in their right mind. The Bible says they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame. Watch this. For his name. Look, they were doing it for the Savior. You can rejoice even when your back has been beaten and persecuting. You can stay compelled. They were not undaunted in their service. They were not hindered because of the difficulty. How did they stay compelled? It was because of who they were doing it for. They were doing it for the one that had called them to be compelled. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul put it this way. Doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of of Christ Jesus. If we could find somebody in Scripture that was compelling, I would say Paul. Would you agree? Was Paul compelled? Absolutely he was compelled. He didn't back off. He kept going. He says, I count all things but loss. Man, look, if we have to give up anything in our service to God, we squeal and we squall. 
i got to give up that. There's no way I'm letting go of that. No way I'm giving up that. And oh, Paul says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Listen, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. What compelled Paul? Who he was doing it for. He was doing it for Christ. Look, if all you see is that Roman soldier... Oh, you're going to gripe and complain. But if you realize I'm carrying this for Christ, I'm compelled and I'm called by Christ. I read a story this week that I don't know that I've ever heard before. It's about the life of Alexander Graham Bell. We know him. Uh, He's inventor of the telephone, the uh, gramophone, and something called the photophone. You can look it up. It's a very interesting thing that uses light uh, for sound. A very interesting uh, discovery that he made. All of these phones he invented to aid in telecommunications, communication and speaking. I just thought that was his thing. I really, I, I've never read before that what motivated Alexander Graham Bell was the fact that not long after his mother, uh, she was a little girl, had a childhood illness and took her hearing. And then the woman that he would wed would go through a bout of scarlet fever and also lose her hearing. He worked tirelessly. He would go up to his mother and he would speak to his mother's forehead where she could feel the vibrations of his voice to hear what he was saying. He began studying that. Why? Because he wanted them to hear again. He wanted to restore the hearing of his mother and the hearing of his wife. What compelled Alexander Graham Bell? It was who he was doing it for. This was not a side hustle. This was not a project. This was not a hobby. He says, I'm doing this for people that I love more than anyone in the world. That's what compelled him. Can I tell you what will compel us to carry those bags that second mile, to rejoice in our serving of God, even when there's persecution? Can I tell you what will compel us? Remembering who has called us. Being compelled is part of our calling and who we're doing it for. Number one, being compelled comes with our calling. Okay? We're called to be compelled. You say, well, I just don't feel like it. Feelings don't matter. Feelings don't matter. We're living in a world where feelings matter more than anything. I am seeing more times than not, feelings matter more than scripture. Feelings matter more than doctrine. Feelings matter more than faith. Feelings matter more than faithfulness. Can I tell you, I have feelings too. I don't always feel like being compelled. But when it comes to my calling, my feelings have to take a back seat. Why? Because of the one that's compelling me. It's my Lord and Savior who gave his whole life to die on a cross that I could be saved. He was compelled for me. Oh, can I tell you, I can be compelled for him. Number one, being compelled uh, comes with our calling. He says, I'm calling you to be compelled. But then let's look at the other place before we close tonight. Mark chapter 15, I want you to see the third place that you're going to find the word compelled in Scripture. Mark chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 15. And um, look down, if you will, to verse, go down to verse 20. You notice we're getting toward the back of the book of Mark, so you know we're somewhere near the crucifixion. Mark chapter 15, if you look down to verse number 20, the Bible says, and when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him. 
and led him out to crucify him. Obviously, we're speaking of Jesus. Watch verse 21. Here's the third time it's mentioned in the New Testament. And they compel one Simon of Cyrenian, who had passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Now, this is important. You notice, here's that word again, the word compel. The word compel. Now, in our first illustration that we saw, we see compel. You're being compelled to go the second mile. Why? Jesus says compelling, it comes with our calling. That's what we're called to do. But now we see one who probably understands what being compelled more than anybody else. Here's what I want you to imagine tonight. I want you to imagine yourself as Simon. Okay, can we do that? Can we imagine ourselves as Simon just for a few minutes before we close? Here you are. You're a bystander. And you're watching as Christ comes through carrying his cross. You're a member of the crowd. You're watching all of this go on. Here comes Jesus. And it seems to be, if we read between the lines, that he would fall somewhere near where Simon was. Because the Bible says he was suddenly compelled to carry his cross. Now, can you imagine one moment being a spectator and a bystander and watching all of this happen and watching the events unfold and then suddenly you're gripped? I don't know if the soldier grabbed him by the arm. I kind of pictured that in my mind, but I don't know if he did. And suddenly you're gripped and realize no longer are you going to be a bystander. No longer are you just going to watch these things unfold. Now you have a part to play. I think that Simon probably understood exactly what the word compel means. As soon as they laid that cross, watch what it says, verse 21, to bear his cross. The first thing, watch this. Compelled is not just going out casually, maybe, happenstance, if we get a chance, doing the will of God. No, it's exactly what that Roman soldier was saying to that Jew. I'm compelling you. It was not optional. It was not convenient. It was not comfortable. You were just being compelled. All right, number one, being compelled comes with our calling. Whether we like it or not, being compelled is not something we can set aside. But number two, and more importantly tonight before we close, I want you to notice being compelled comes with a cross. Being compelled comes with a cross. When I was preparing the message for tonight, I don't know that I ever thought about Simon in this particular way. Up until verse 21, Simon was a spectator. Up until verse 21, Simon was a face in the crowd. Up until verse 21, Simon was just watching the events unfold. But then in verse 21, something changed. Do you know what the difference was? Watch. This is simple, but don't miss this. He was compelled. He was compelled. I believe this tonight, the only difference between us being spectators and being servers is being compelled. This is our week of service. I, I don't know who all got to be involved and who hasn't. Uh, it's been a blessing to see so many go out. I've seen the doors have been like revolving doors, people showing up, taking out things. Uh, maybe you're serving on your private time. Maybe you haven't come up here. And hey, thank the Lord for that. Uh, but you know, look, for those who could go but don't go, the difference between the spectator and the server in our week of service for those who could go. Do you know what the difference is? It's very simple. It was the difference in Simon's life. He was compelled. 
Do you know why we're not reaching our world? And we're spectators watching the world fall under the weight of the burdens they have. Do you, do you know why we're not reaching them? This is simple. We're not compelled. We're not compelled. For us, we interpret the word compel to go out in the highways and hedges. We interpret that as, all right, I'm going to invite them when I get a chance. That's not compel. You're interpreting compel the way you think, not the way God meant. Because he shows us two other times in Scripture that being compelled is that Roman soldier saying, you take up my bags, you carry that. It's not optional. That's what compel means. Compel means that I come to the place where I'm no longer a spectator. I'm no longer watching things unfold. I'm all of a sudden gripped by the fact that I have a part to play in this. Now, I want you to know, tonight you might be a little bit like Simon. And maybe, hey, boy, what a wonderful thing it would be if all of us, look, maybe we woke up this morning, we planned on going to church tonight. Thank you for coming. Thank you for watching. And we're going to come, and we're going to listen, and we're going to watch. But we had no intentions on being gripped and being thrust into service. But oh, what a blessing it would be if you were. That's why there's no fulfillment. It's, look, it's not money. We, all, we always think money. Boy, if I just had more money, I'd have more fulfillment. No, you just have bigger problems. Because you'd have more money to spend on the things you probably didn't need anyway. It's not money. Look, it's not people. You think, well, I, my life would just have peace. No, the reason as, as Christians we don't have fulfillment is simply because we're not compelled we're sitting there and we're watching all the things go by. We're watching other people carry their cross, but we're not involved. Why? We're not compelled because we think being compelled is an optional thing that we can get around to. No, Simon found out that when you're compelled, it comes with a cross. Now, why do we resist? Real quickly, why do we resist? Why when we are compelled by the Holy Spirit of God, he's trying to say, all right, pick up pick that up and tote that cross. Why do we resist? Well, we know. We know that being compelled comes with a cross. And I'm just being honest with you. I believe the church in America today has wholeheartedly sold out our cross for convenience. I believe we have. You look at the church today, if it's not convenient, if it's not comfortable, we don't want any part of it. Uh, look, if it's going to change my life, change the way I do what I do and the way that I live and the way that I act, I'm not interested in carrying it. It's a lot like this. I wrote myself a note today. The cross has to be comfortable, convenient, and camouflaged before we carry it. The cross has to be comfortable, convenient, and camouflaged. I don't want it to inconvenience my life. I want it comfortable. I want it to feel good. I want it to be convenient with the time that I have, and I want it to be camouflaged where nobody sees it. And then we'll carry it. I want you to understand there was nothing comfortable, convenient, or camouflaged about the cross that, would, that Simon was compelled to carry. But he was compelled all the same to carry it. I've said this before, and I would like to think I believe it. I guess I won't ever know. But I'd like to think if I was Simon, I would be excited about carrying it. Sure. I mean... I think all of us tonight, to some extent, there's a part of us that would like to think if we're standing there, maybe behind the ropes or the lines of people, I don't know how it went down. When Jesus fell, if they says, we need someone to carry his cross, I, wouldn't you like to think tonight that you would have raised your hand? I mean, I'd like to think that I would. But then I realized the cross that I am called to carry on a daily basis in my following after Christ, sometimes I don't want to carry that one. 
maybe I'm not the Christian that I think I am because when it comes down to it, Jesus said, if we're going to come after him, let us deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. You see, the reason we're not compelled is because we know that being compelled comes with a cross. There's no way to follow Christ without carrying that cross. So as we close tonight, here's what I want to ask you something. I just want to leave this thought with you. Are we compelled? Are we compelled? You say, I sure do want people to be saved. That's not compelled. That's not the Bible definition of compelled. We have compelled mentioned three times in Scripture, and every time it's a higher standard than we even give it close to. Being compelled means I'm called to this. It's not going to be convenient or comfortable or camouflaged, but I'm called to it. Therefore, I've got to step up. I've got to carry the load that God's given me to carry. Tonight, look, if God's laid somebody upon your heart, hey, that's part of the load you've got to carry. You're being compelled to that person. Could it be tonight the reason God's compelling you to go to that person is because he's been dealing with them? There's an Ethiopian eunuch out there with your name on it, and he's calling you, Philip. He says, go. I, I want you to get to him quickly. His heart is soft, and he's willing to turn to you. you got to go, and boy, Philip, he intercepted him. You know, he was gloriously saved. I wonder tonight, is there an Ethiopian eunuch out there that God has laid upon your heart, but you're not compelled to go to them? I would urge you tonight to understand being compelled comes with our call. Number two, being compelled comes with a cross. I'm afraid tonight the church wants to carry the cross of Christ, but remain in the crowd. Okay? Now watch this. Simon could not carry the cross by being a spectator. Simon could not carry the cross by being a bystander. He was going to have to step out from the crowd, and guess what he's going to have to do? I don't know this. This is opinion, okay? I believe Simon followed Christ up the hill. I believe, I believe that personally, okay, in my opinion. He was going to have to come out from the crowd, pick up his cross, and follow right along behind Christ all the way up to Golgotha, the Bible says. There's no way tonight that we can carry our cross that God's compelling us to carry and stay in the crowd. It's not going to happen. Tonight, before we leave here, our time of invitation, here's the prayer, here's the burden. That God would burden us to be compelled. Just as that, that Jewish person walking down the street was when a Roman soldier says, carry my back. That's what compelled me. Just as Simon was in the crowd when he was compelled to carry the cross of Christ. So let me ask you one more time. Are we compelled tonight? I don't believe we are. But I think we can get there real quick if we would just submit to the will of God in our life. Let's stand together tonight. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Now, I want you to hear me out before we pray. I want you to hear me out. Tonight, I, I want you to pray for two things specifically. I want you to pray for the people God's laid on your heart. Maybe you've already invited or you are going to invite. That God would give me the words that I need to say in the way that needs to be said. But then I, I want you to pray tonight for yourself. And let's pray for our church. And let's ask the question... Are we very compelling? Are we compelling? Are we lackadaisical? Are we casual if we get around to it? Are we being compelled as that Roman soldier would compel us? Are we being compelled as Simon was compelled? If not tonight, why don't we spend some time alone with God during this invitation time? Say, God, I'm not very compelling. If I could confess something to you tonight, I'm not always very compelling either. 
God, I need to be more compelling. God, help me be compelling tonight so we can go out this week and bring others not just to church but to Christ.